Blog Talk Radio. Sponsored by WomenSpeakers.com, the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, you're listening to Marnie's Friends. Welcome to Marnie's Friends, the online training show where experts share insights into aspects of life and leadership that take you from surviving to thriving ASAP. Right now, you are about to discover practical, doable success strategies to shorten your learning curve, increase your productivity, and skyrocket your delight in life. Be sure to thank today's guest by sharing this program via your favorite social media outlet, and swing by Marnie.com and give me a shout out too. Now let's get going with today's episode of Marnie's Friends. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Marty. So excited to have you with us this afternoon as we talk about becoming the leader your small group needs. And so many of you are involved in small group Bible studies, um, are overseeing teams or staffs, and we're going to especially be talking about Bible study leadership today, but the principles apply to so many things. I'm excited to share with you our guest, Kathy Howard. And uh, during the next hour, you are going to discover seven characteristics of effective small group leaders critical keys to purposeful, personal, spiritual growth, how to successfully engage the four basic personality types in discussions, how to overcome the five most common challenges of small group discussion times, and the five M's of leadership. Kathy, our guest today, has been teaching the Bible for almost 30 years in a variety of settings. She also recruits, trains, and mentors other women to lead Bible studies, and you can learn more about her over at her website, kathyhoward.org. Welcome to you, Kathy. Hi, Marnie. Thanks. It's so good to be with you. Well, it is great to have you here, and I know that this is such a passion of yours. You've been involved in the Bible Study Expo for years, and uh, I know that your heart really is to not only help women to understand the deep truths of God's word, which is, I think, probably for your main calling, but also to help us be able to better communicate those truths to other people. And you're just right. so good at both of those things. Really excited to have you here this afternoon. Thanks for coming. Oh, it's my pleasure. Good. Well, we are going to start right off with seven characteristics of effective small group leaders. And don't just list all seven. Let's Let's start with like one and kind of kind of dissect them a little bit. Okay, right. I I know that um, sometimes it can be daunting or overwhelming for women to think about leading Bible study or leading a small group, and they think I'm you know I'm not prepared for that. I, I don't have any training, and these seven characteristics may not be what people expect because God wants to use. Mm any and every woman that he calls. And so these seven characteristics don't include things like a seminary training and that sort of thing. In fact, yeah. the first yeah. one, the first characteristic is that we should also be students. And what I mean by that is that we should be ongoing students of God's word. None of us ever arrive. So if we think we don't know enough about God's word to teach, you know, if we wait till we know it all, we'll, there would never be any small group leaders. <laughs> right. Well, and so, I always feel like when I'm teaching, I'm learning more than the people mm-hmm. I'm teaching. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. as a teacher, you, you learn so much. 
And, you know, being a student, it's really having the proper attitude when we approach God's word because, um, and I've made this, I have made this mistake before, gone gone to God's word in, in sort of a prideful way, thinking I've already got this particular principle figured out or this particular truth that I've got it, that I've grasped it, and it never fails that God shows me just um, how much I still don't know. <laughs> and so it's the attitude of being a student that's so vital for us to, to know that we're on a, a journey of learning with a whole group, just, just like all the other women in the group. Um, and basically we have just followed God's call to lead and to help them learn and discover, but, but we're doing the very same thing right along with them. And that we can be yeah, you know, purposeful. Sorry, I was just going to say that, and that we we need to go into it with an idea of that we need to be purposeful in learning, and not just not just that lesson, but that we want to be a lifetime learner, student of God's word, and and think about specific ways that we can do that. I love that, and I was even thinking, you know, it's even just a little bit beyond um, keeping learning God's word. Of course, that's true. And sometimes, I mean, I, I admit too, like what you said, I can remember um, having a point that I was going to teach and then going to the Bible and looking for backup instead of the other way, you know? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes I was like, oh, there really isn't anything here supporting this idea. But, um, right. but more than that, too, to, to come into it as a learner from the other people in the group, too. Not that you have all the Absolutely. answers, but actually every person in the group is carrying with them, if they're a believer, they're carrying with them the Holy Spirit of God, and they can teach you, uh, they can teach you that's things right. too. So that that's so important. Yeah, okay, what's number two? That we as leaders are also disciples. You know, there's a, there's a passage in 1 Corinthians where Paul tells the believers in Corinth to follow his example as, as he follows Christ. And we think, wow, that is, that is a pretty bold statement, isn't it, to say, to tell those that you are leading, mentoring, teaching that, you know, watch, watch me, <laughs> which, which that just means we have to be so closely following Christ. So we have to, we have to put that um, at the top of our, our list of we are, we are disciples of Christ first. Before we can make disciples, we have to be a disciple. And, and so we have to make that a real priority to con- continue to, to um, grow in spiritual maturity and to uh, be very purposeful about spiritual disciplines and, and growth. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we, I know that I've made this mistake in the past too, that, well, I'm, I'm teaching the Bible study, you know, I'm studying. So here's, here's my big bulk of my discipleship. You know, I'm, I'm preparing to teach God's word every week. And there's so much more involved in being a disciple of Christ than just leading a weekly Bible study. Oh, yeah, walking it out. (laughs) (laughs) Got to do more than just study. Okay, what's number three? That we are transparent. And what I mean by that is that so often when we lead a group, of course we want them to think well of us. Um, but but sometimes I fear that we are we are hesitant to be to get really real with them to share our struggles because we think hey I'm the leader I can't I can't let them 
see that I'm struggling in this area too. <laughs> the funny thing about it is though, your your group, if they truly think that you've got it all together, they're going to be so overwhelmed. They think they would never be able to achieve where you are that they might just give up. Or And the rest of them are going to know the truth that you're not perfect and they think that you're trying to pull something over on them. So it's right. just it's just best all around to just be transparent. Now, there's limits. We we have to be careful about what we share as far as that involves other people and 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 that sort of thing. But I'm I'm talking about being open and honest about you know I I there are some days where I just really struggle to open my Bible or there's there's some days that I struggle really trusting God in this particular area and. When we do that, it it's encouraging to the to the other women in the group, and it's also wow she she gets me she she knows where I'm coming from and and I think that that I can learn from somebody who understands my world. Yeah, it is so important. You know, it it talks it speaks to again. You know, God is looking for a humble heart. And that humble yes. heart is not going to put on airs and, you know, I'm, I'm know it all here and I've got it all together. It's interesting, too, how um, usually in the past for me, it's been my non-Christian gals who will say, oh, why did you say that? You know, it makes me feel <laughs> a little bad. <laughs> it's like, well, that's okay, because I am, I am actually a little bad. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of a lot bad. So, so it's okay. And, you know, when we read the Bible, it shocks us how authentic God is, and he just shares all the dirty laundry. I mean, it is full of stories that nobody would include in a book if they were trying to make themselves look good. But God includes it, and right. we need to <laughs> recognize, you know, that if he's willing to air the dirty laundry, we got to be willing to be real, um, let people see that we are still in in progress. We are not a finished work at this All point right. either. Love that one. Okay, what's number four? <laughs> we are passionate. And, mm-hmm. and we can be passionate about a lot of things. I'm specifically thinking about passion for God's word. Um, you know, so, so many, even believers kind of have this wrong idea that God's word, that the Bible is just boring. You know, how can I dig into it and, and study it? It just, oh, that just seems so boring. But if, if we reveal a real passion for God's word and the, and the, and the things that are there, the truths, the principles, um, that's contagious. And if we really allow our excitement to show, then it it will catch. It will catch in the hearts of the women in our group. So I want us to not be afraid to show that passion over God's word and the things of God because it will build that excitement in the group. Yeah. I love that. I love that. It's the difference between somebody <laughs> reading your book in a monotone voice and somebody being truly engaged in, in how, how you're experiencing it. Yeah, so cool. Okay, what's Exactly, exactly. That we as leaders are jealous. And I know that that sounds like a negative idea, but when we read scripture, um, we, we learn, God says that he is jealous that he is jealous for the affections of his people. He is, he is jealous for our worship. 
he is he is jealous for our commitment and obedience and so what i mean that as leaders that we are jealous and um oh and i have to read this i have a definition for jealousy and it's it's one of these aspects of the definition of jealous is probably not what we expect but this is it to desire earnestly to pursue, to strive after or exert oneself for another that they might not be torn away. Mm-hmm. So when we think about that definition, and when I say that we're jealous for the women in our group, we are jealous that they not be torn away from God or from the truth of God. Um, I, had, I had a woman in a Bible study with me years and years ago who um, she was, she was not a believer. She was a spiritual seeker and she was the same time she was studying in a group with me. She was also studying with a, um, another religion that um, is not Christian, but another religion. She was really searching spiritual things and trying to fill this hole she had. And, I I was so jealous for her, for the Lord, that she would come to believe and embrace the truth. And I pursued that desperately in prayer and in, through relationship with her. Um, sadly, in the end, she chose to go down a path that does not line up with the truth of God. But I, I felt that, I feel like I just got a little glimpse of that jealousy that God has for us. And and so when I say that as leaders we should be jealous, it's that, to to just pursue those women in a way to help them cling to God's truth and embrace him on a deeper level. Yeah. And I think about, you know, usually the word, like you said, the word jealousy in our uh, language is usually used in a negative sense. Like you shouldn't be mm-hmm. jealous like that. But when God uses it, it's a protective like this, like this I, I want to protect you from what you're going to go do right now. You Absolutely. Know? I want to keep you safe. I want to, I, I'm yeah, another for example you. Yeah. would be if you, if there's a woman in your group that you discover is caught up in a cycle of sin that is extremely har- harmful, then God would, would have that be our responsibility to, to approach them and try and bring them back to the truth. Um, that, that is a weighty responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What is our sixth characteristic? <laughs> the number six is that we are investors. And what I mean by that is that we just truly invest emotionally and, and time wise in the lives of these women that, uh, and, and I, I, I am going to admit to you right now, this is this is one of the ones that I probably struggle with the most in that, and I know probably a lot of your listeners can identify, is that our lives are so busy that when we think about, so I can't just study the Bible study lesson and show up on Tuesday morning and teach the lesson and go home. I need to find, I need to, to get to know these women and find out their needs and see how I might can encourage them on an individual basis. And, you know, optimally, yes, if we, if we can at all do that to as much as God enables us to do that, that's, that's what we ought to do as leaders is, is to invest ourselves in their lives so that we really can be um, 
a mentor and a discipler and an encourager. And it's not always easy. And we may just have to follow God's lead uh, on an individual basis. Like who do I really need? Who needs that extra investment right now? Um, but, but investing in their lives is, is so important. Yeah, and I think for me, you know, listening to you, I agree that, you know, this can put a lot of pressure on somebody who says, you know, well, I have the time to study, I have the time to lead, I don't have the time to have coffee with each of these gals every week or something, you know, and I think that what you need to do is just lay that before Christ. He knows, he already knows yes. your schedule. He already knows what you've got going. He knows their schedules and what they've got going. And it's amazing as long as, you know, I always do, you know, put your hand out in front of you and have this open hand here and just say, okay, my schedule, my life, what I think I should do, what I think I need to do, all that kind of stuff, it's all in that open hand. And, and just the Holy Spirit can prompt and say, call right now. Absolutely. You know, or, you know, move, go, go visit right now. And look at that. There's time right now to do it. You know, mm-hmm. I think when we love this, it's sometimes just astounding. It's, it's, sometimes it's as simple as a, as an email, a Facebook message, um, a text, yeah. praying mm-hmm. for them when God lays them on your heart and texting them and said, mm-hmm. God just prompted me to pray for you right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there some specific way I can be praying? Um, so, so a lot of these investment opportunities are not necessarily massively time consuming, but but it but it takes intention. You know, we have to be intentional about it. Yeah, and an awareness that that's part of the job is to is to freely invest, to just to generously is the word I wrote down next to that. Just generously invest as much as you can. Right. Okay, and number seven. Right. Number seven is that we are reproducers, and mm. what I mean by that is that we are always watching for other women who can be leaders and um, looking for ways that we can begin to, to move them into leadership and what that looks like. So we don't <sighs> – I know for me – you know, I'm getting old. You said in your intro that I've been teaching the Bible for almost 30 years. I'm not going to be around forever. <laughs> um, so so it, it really is. I mean, you look at Scripture, and I love Paul's life, and I love how he um, was so purposeful with, with Timothy and and Silas and, and others that he, and John Mark, that he, that he mentored and that uh, he brought up and nurtured. And as leaders, we should do that as well. Yeah, all really great. That was seven characteristics of effective small group leaders. We're going to take a quick break, come back and talk about critical keys to purposeful personal spiritual growth, as well as how to successfully engage the four basic personality types in discussions. We'll be right back. Women's ministry leaders across America rely on womensevents.info to find the major Christian women's events coming to their area. Womensevents.info is the only online directory of its kind featuring all the upcoming major Christian women's events. You are invited to search for events coming near you or to add your own major Christian women's events. Everything's easy and accessible over at womensevents.info. That's www.womensevents.info. Welcome back. This is Marty. We're visiting today with our guest, Kathy Howard, on the topic of becoming the leader your small group needs, and we're excited to have you with us this afternoon. Thanks for being here, and thanks for sharing this with your friends. 
Uh, we're going to talk next about some keys to purposeful personal spiritual growth. So, Kathy, the very fact that you wanted to talk about this means that you can lead a small group model study and not be growing spiritually. <laughs> so that's a scary <laughs> Well, it is, and I'll I'll share a quick story with you. I was I was on a a church staff, and part of my responsibility was the um, small group Bible study leaders. Uh, they were under my leadership and um, we had our quarterly meetings and, and I just asked them a question one day. I said, so, so how many of you are reading your Bible every day? And there, there was about 25 leaders and I had maybe one person raise their hand. So I said, oh, okay, how many of you are reading your Bible five times a week? And I had two or three more and then, okay, three times a week. And I probably had out of those 25 leaders, I probably had 10 that were reading their Bible three or more times a week. And I thought, oh, wow. You know, I mean, that's just, Mm -hmm. that is just a a one one element of of purposeful spiritual growth, but but it's definitely a a sign, a symptom. And so I, I set about challenging them to be very intentional and purposeful about spiritual growth. And so I, I actually have several tools on my website and these critical keys that, that I want to tell you about. It, it's just three, but each one um, has quite a few uh, steps under them or some other things under them. And the, the first one is to evaluate your current level of discipleship and spiritual growth. Like take a really good, honest look at where I am. And I, I try to do this yearly as the new year comes around and I I actually have a discipleship evaluation tool on my website. I mean it's it's just a tool. It's it's not scientific by any means, but it it's got a a number of categories in it that sort of indicate where we are spiritually, like how how well we're serving, how well we're obeying what God tells us, how much time we spend with him, how much time we we spend serving in the church and ministering to other people, those sorts of things. And it just helps us take a look at ourselves and say, okay, so these are the, some of the things God in, in his word encourages us to do as, as his disciples. And how am I doing in those areas? Where am, where am I lacking? And then the second key would be to set some goals for growth. And again, this is something I try to do every new year, and um, there's also some some helps for that on my website. Is is and you know we can we can really overwhelm ourselves if we think we're going to go from you know zero to a hundred in the next twelve months. So um, there's some some ideas on there for setting some realistic goals for for thinking concretely about setting goals and to concentrate on just one or two areas. Like if, if we think, okay, I'm going to grow in every area over this next year, we're, we're not being very realistic and we're kind of setting ourselves up for disappointment and failure. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but we've got to start somewhere, right? We've got to start somewhere. In fact, Paul said, train yourself for godliness. And when you look at that Greek word train, it's gymnazo. And it's, it's that, it's the Greek word. We get the mm-hmm. English word, Gym, gymnastics gymnasium from and he was saying we have to work we have to work at our spiritual growth we have to be 
purposeful in thinking how we're going to grow to be more Christ-like. Of course, only the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. can grow us spiritually, but he doesn't do it without our obedient cooperation. (laughs) Right, right. And then the third critical key would be accountability. Um, Mm -hmm. It is too easy for us to fall back to not keep pushing on if we don't have somebody that we trust that we have given them permission to speak into our lives. So mm-hmm. I would encourage us all, and, and I have done better at this in some points of my life than others, but God designed his church in a way that he, he tells us to be accountable to one another. So evaluate our current spiritual growth, set goals for growth, and then find an accountability partner or group. So good. And we are going to come right back in a moment and talk about how to successfully engage the four basic personality types in discussions. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Are you ready to experience your best life possible and share biblical success principles with others? Register for the SPY Coach Certification Program today. SPI, or S-P-I, stands for Success Principles Intensive. It's a six-hour online program that equips you to fully comprehend and train biblical success principles. You can check it out today over at Marnie.com. It's available as part of the mentorship program, or you can buy it as a standalone certification program. Learn more now at Marnie.com. That's M-A-R-N-I-E.com. Welcome back. This is Marnie. We're visiting today with Kathy Howard. Uh, she was mentioning earlier some resources over at her website, which is Kathy with a K, KathyHoward.org. Kathy, I am excited to dive into this next part because <laughs> the personalities really, really, really affect how people interact <laughs> in a group. And sometimes it can be really confusing to a leader if they're not aware of this aspect of things. So let's talk about that next. Well, and so these these are actually four personality types that I've named myself um, just from so much experience leading small groups. And their personalities, it seems like it doesn't matter what group you have, there's always at least one of each of these kinds of, of women in your group. And I'll, I'm going to name the four and then we'll go back and talk about it. So the first one is the discussion hog or monopolizer. <laughs> and anybody that has ever been in a small group, um, if you don't think you've ever been in a group that had a discussion hog, then you're probably the one. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> there is always a discussion hog. <laughs> mm-hmm. The second one is exactly the opposite, the introvert. You know, how do you draw that introvert out? The third one is the emotionally needy. Um, And then the fourth one is the challenger. And we'll talk about each one of those. So, so Marnie, are you familiar with the discussion hog? Well, I think all of us are. (laughs) You know, it, it is. As a leader, as a leader, it can be very, it can be very perplexing because really if you don't do something, the rest of the group will possibly potentially start dropping out. Oh, yeah, they will. Well, and at least not speak, not share. Right. Uh, because mm-hmm. they, they just can't. Emotionally so, drop um, out, yeah. 
Yes, exactly. Exactly. Emotionally drop out, intellectually drop out. And and the thing is, mm-hmm. often these women have some great insightful things to say, mm-hmm. but yeah. often it gets lost in all the other stuff they have to say. Um, so uh, this can be tricky. And, and the funny thing is um, you probably have to deal with it every single week. Um, unless it just gets to a breaking point. But I, I have learned, it's funny, that as a leader, our body language can affect a discussion hog a lot. Um, I, I try to minimize eye contact with the discussion hog. I have even, when I ask a, a, a question, I will even turn away from them slightly. All those little cues will give them pause. Um, so I, I attempt to do that. I, when, when they, if they're in a really long lengthy, um, response, if they've already talked quite a bit, I will, I will wait till they take a breath and jump in and probably say something like, that is really good insight. I'm wondering what some of the other women think. And so give, affirm what they're saying, but yet cut it off with as much grace as as possible um i will also once once they have spoken and stopped on their own i'll say well what does everybody else think about that and i have i have had a situation in the past that was so extreme that i actually and she she had no clue it's not like she was even aware of it but i Mm -hmm. because she talked so much like you said a moment ago the other women, even the ones who had attempted to talk, were, were speaking, were attempting it less and less and less. So I spoke to her just one-on-one outside of class and told her I was really struggling in getting some of the other women to talk. They just seemed kind of shy and asked for her help. And I even said a lot of the times if we can use, and this will come up in our next uh, personality in the introvert, if we can, we can make really good use of silence in order to help those who are a little bit shy or a little bit, you know, some, some people just really like to think over what they're wanting to say before they say it. So if we can really pause and wait, then, then it might, it might encourage them to speak up. So I just enlisted her help. And though it didn't completely fix the situation, it helped a great deal. Mm, that was so good. And I did, like what you mentioned too, you did it one-on-one instead of in front of the whole group, which is really important. Mm-hmm. And then, <laughs> yes, you know, your body language. Another thing I found with, uh, with a discussion hog is that a lot of times they just need the final word. And so, you, you know, they'll, they'll say something and you'll say something to add on to it. Well, then they have to say something. So they have the closure <laughs> part of it. And if you can just if you can give them the closure and then like move to the next point, or like you said, draw somebody else in, it seems like they're uh, more ready to let it go and let you move on. That's a good than point. If you add something. Yeah. yeah. Okay. How about the introvert then? Cause that's just a the introvert. It, well, it is. And so when I talked about body language with the discussion hall, we would do just the opposite with the introvert. We would make <laughs> eye contact with them as much as possible. We would we would turn towards them when we ask them a question. Um, and, of course, we don't ever call them. The problem with the introvert is many of them are, are shy. Many of them are afraid that what they have to say is might sound stupid or is irrelevant. And so 
if we call on them, they're just going to shrink back even more. The one exception to this would be I have had introverts before who have rare occasion attempted to say something, and then the discussion hog stepped all over them. <laughs> and so I would I would then at the next opportunity say, Susie, you, you started to say something a couple of minutes ago. Would you like to share that now? And that would be the only time that I would call on them specifically. Um, but then I also, with the, with the introvert, is that I really make use of silence when I can. It's funny because you can, you can look at a woman and, and see that she's thinking, that she's, because there's some that are just, they're not necessarily even an introvert. They're just very thoughtful. And so when a question is asked, they want to chew on it. They want to really think about it before they give an answer. And we are so often afraid of silence. And we think that if there's more than just two or three seconds of silence, that we just have to move on and do something else, or we have to share something ourselves. So if, if we are able to actually let a question hang in the air, then often that introvert or that or that really thoughtful person will have an opportunity to speak up. And I, I feel like too one of the one of the misconceptions is that an introvert or quiet person doesn't really have anything to say. And the reality mm-hmm. is she's really thinking. Most of the time they're mm-hmm. very engaged. Uh, they just really are uncomfortable saying it out loud. And for whatever reason, they would each have their own reasons. But um, but for you to just acknowledge that, you know, you you look so thoughtful right there. Did you have anything you wanted to share? You know, I can mm-hmm. see your, I can see your wheels turning. <laughs> you know, exactly. And so <laughs> even if they say no, they recognize that you know that they're participating, and and I think it yes. just gives them that place of comfort. I'm I'm part of this. I'm part of this team the next one is the emotionally needy person and you know right. like you said, every group has every group has all of these <laughs> <laughs> we do and that emotionally needy person you know I mean sometimes sometimes it's their personality and they've been that way their whole life sometimes it's a woman who is just going through a difficult difficult season of her life and Whichever the case, we, we don't want to ignore those emotional needs, but we have to balance that with the needs of the rest of the group as well and, and our purpose in the group, which is to study the Bible. And so I actually, the Holy Spirit has led me to do different things at different times. If it's a, if it's a crisis need, like something has happened and the woman comes to the group, and I mean, and she is in crisis, I have before just brought the whole group around her to pray. Mm-hmm. Let's right. let's address this right now. Let's see what we, you know, let's bring this before the Lord right now. Um, and then if if the woman has, you know, I am not I am not a Christian counselor, and so often there have been needs in my group that I I truly don't have the skills or the resources to address, and so. Um, in that case, I would I would find somebody for that person to talk to that can help them, and um, and and tell her, look, I want to do what I can to help you. Can we talk about this after class? 
And so it, it so often just depends on the situation and on the person. But, but we have to, unless the Holy Spirit leads, we have to be careful about allowing their situation to totally take over the Bible study time because, because you've got a whole group of women that have to be considered as well. I'm really so glad that you said that part about prayer because um, I think that that's just the most important thing. And what happens at that moment when we actually gather around and pray is that also the Holy Spirit begins to move in individual hearts. And one of the things that I found myself doing, um, I'm kind of a little mother protector person, you know. So it's like mm-hmm. I would, I'd be like, well, I'd, I don't want to infringe on, the, you know, I make them feel guilty or anything like this about not being able to help this person. But what I saw and what I see is that God moves in a heart and all of a sudden mm-hmm. some of these needs begin to be met by the other part, people in the group. And not because you're putting pressure on, but because the Holy Spirit is prompting. And so that's the Absolutely. beauty of prayer is that we, we all get in tune with Jesus right in that moment and focus on, focus on what would you have me to do here? What's my part? And right. sometimes it's just to keep praying for her. Sometimes it's actually to uh, relieve a physical need that she has in some way. There's another person involved in Bible study who's a challenger. <laughs> and, of course, yes. this can make life real interesting. <laughs> and, and, I mean, this happens really so frequently, is they'll, a challenger is someone who, when you bring up perhaps a, a biblical truth or principle and and they essentially say yeah I don't think that's right <laughs> and so here's the thing I mean sometimes we might be wrong um, so we don't want to just shut them down altogether but the best way to approach it is if they say no I don't think that's right I think this is right then then we'll say well you know can you tell me can you give me the the, the biblical, the scriptural backup for that, because I'd like to look at that. And if, of course, if they can't give you the biblical backup for that, then, you know, you can say, well, I think just take them back to the scripture and say, you know, we were looking at this passage and, and, and this seems to be what God is telling us here. But, you know, you and I could both do some additional study on this. Um, and that often if we if we ask them to participate and let's both go home and go to God's word and see what God's word has to say about this, um, then maybe we can we can figure this this one out. So um, by all means, we don't shut them down or challenge them back, but instead engage them in going to God's word and let's seeing what God has to say about it. <laughs> My husband has a favorite one. Um, he was in a he was in a group and. And there was one, a challenger, and just on and on and on and on. And at one point, he said something, and the leader just the leader just said, well, now, that's an interesting idea. Does anybody else have a thought on this? And he just kept right on going. And, you know, it, it, and I remember Dave came home and was like, that was such a beautiful way to handle that. You know, so you don't always have to give it credence. Uh, like, like doing a deeper dive with it is awesome mm-hmm. if you can. Uh, but you don't always even have to give it that much. You can just let the person air or vent their thought because that's what it is. They're, they're usually right. a verbal thinker. Uh, they're having this thought. I wonder if that could be true. And uh, they just say it right out loud. And then it can really uh, sidetrack the whole study if, if you let right. it. So, you know, to, to just be led by the spirit again. The, 
Yeah, led by exactly led by the spirit because it depends on, and this this goes into handling difficult situations. But it's going to depend on what they're presenting. You know, if they're if they're talking about something innocuous like, you know, the name of, you know, Abraham Abraham's wife's maid servant. You know, that's. But if it has something to do with um, critical spiritual Salvation. truth, yeah, right. it, you know, we're mm-hmm. gonna we're gonna yeah. deal with that in a different way. Yeah. Well, this is Marty Swedberg visiting today with Kathy Howard of kathyhoward.org. We're going to come back and talk about how to overcome the five most common challenges in small group discussion types. We'll be right back. Do you ever need a guest speaker? Or maybe you're a speaker who's available to go. Check out womenspeakers.com, the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world since 2002. Connecting thousands of planners with over 1,300 speakers. Speakers are available to you from every state, denomination, experience level, and fee range. You simply search when you have time, anytime, day or night, and connect directly with the speakers that interest you. No middlemen, no hidden fees. It's all simple, easy, enjoyable, and online. Check it out today at womenspeakers.com. That's www.womenspeakers.com. Welcome back. This is Marnie, and if you haven't checked out womenspeakers.com, I hope that you will do that before the end of the day. We're talking today with our guest, Kathy Howard of kathyhoward.org. She is an author and a speaker and a wonderful Bible study leader, and she's sharing with us today how to become the leader your small group needs. Kathy, let's talk about the five most common challenges that small group leaders have in discussion <laughs> time, because this is, uh, we were laughing about this when we were planning it, like this could really be a killer. You know, and, and what, what sometimes <laughs> happens is that somebody goes into leadership like this, and they get into these situations that they just don't know what to do and they, they give up leadership. They, right. they actually step down. And, and that's, right. that's what we're trying to help you not have to do here because there are some things you can do. So dive right in. So, um, and, and these may not be the, you know, the most difficult situations, but they're certainly ones that I have had regularly and, and struggled with over the years. Uh, so the first one is, so someone makes a comment that is biblically just plain wrong. You know, how do you deal with that? And you and I have already said many times since we've been talking is that it's so dependent on the exact circumstances and we need to follow the Holy Spirit. So if it's something that's trivial, then I just, and for instance, the name of Sarah's handmaiden, maiden, you know, that's, that's trivial. If they got that wrong and said it wrong, let's not embarrass them and call their mistake out before everybody. Just let it go. But there are a couple of instances where I feel like that we should address it. First of all, if it involves an important, vital doctrinal point, like the nature of salvation, how we're saved. Um, you know, if they say, well, yeah. You know, Jesus' death on the cross, we th- that was for our salvation, but we also need to, you know, blah, blah. I mean, you know, if, if there's something about salvation, it has to be addressed in front of the group. You don't want to take the chance of anybody going out of there and having a seed of, of falsehood planted in their minds. Um, if it has to do with the, with the nature of Christ and who Christ is. I mean, those are some things that we want to deal with, but there are gracious ways to do that. Um, the other 
type of situation I think that it should be addressed, and this actually happened to me one time, is if leaving it will hurt somebody else. And what I mean by that is I, this was years and years ago. I was leading a Bible study. There was, um, I don't know, probably 15 or 20 women. And this young mom, she had a couple of young sons. None of, I think the oldest was like five years old. And she made this statement, well, if you raise your kids, if you do everything that you're supposed to do, then then they will not go astray. They're going to behave properly, and they're never going to rebel. And they're, I mean, and she was very dogmatic about it. And there were two women in my group that I knew were hurting and struggling with teenagers who were in a time of real rebellion, and these women were godly women. And I thought, I cannot, I cannot, because not saying anything, I felt like was the same as agreeing with her. And um, so I, I addressed it in what I felt like was, and of course, when things like this come up, even while she was speak, still speaking, I was already praying. <laughs> I can't tell you right, how often I do right. that while I'm leading Bible study. You know, something's happening, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking, oh, Lord, how am I going to address this? Should I address mm-hmm. it? What am I supposed to say? I mean, that, I do that all the time, asking right. for the Holy Spirit's guidance in the moment because I just didn't know how I was going to address it. And so, and, and you know what, Marty, I don't even remember exactly what I said to her. Cause like I said, this was so many years ago. Um, but I felt like God gave me the words and I could, I mean, cause I could see those other two moms, you know, when someone is, you know, their, mm-hmm. their back stiffens and their, their, their eyes drop yeah. and they're like, Oh my goodness, they're, this is, this is a hurtful. I mean, they can, I can see they're feeling this. I have to do something. And, and so I did. So that would, you know, you, we, you've got to consider the whole, what is this, how is what they're saying, if it's wrong, how is it impacting the rest of the group? Um, is it hurtful? Is it going to hurt the truth that's in their minds? And so if, if that's the case, then, then we, have to, we have to address it in a very gracious, loving way. Um, yeah. So I'm sorry, do you have something you want to say on that? Nope, let's go right ahead to the second second one. Okay. Uh, A question that's asked that you don't know the answer to. And, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes we feel, um, I don't know, threatened in our leadership if we don't know the answer to something. But I have learned over the years it's just best to be humble and just say, you know what, I don't know the answer to that, but I'm going to do my best to find out. And I've I've done that so many times I can't even keep count of that. But that is that is absolutely the best way um, to just say you don't know, but then don't just leave it. Truly, truly try to find out the answer, whether it's going back to God's word and and going to your pastor or whatever it is to try to find the answer for that. The, the <laughs> I want to just insert something there too. Oh, sure. If, if sometimes sometimes you'll have you know that challenger that's in your group. Uh, they they will just keep on doing that over and over and over. And they will load you up with so much research that you don't even have time to do it. So, so what, what, again, I learned from my husband is if you have this person in your, in your class, that you just can say, you know, that is such a great question. Would you be able to look, 
look up something on that this week yep. and bring back an answer next week. And just go ahead, you know, because honestly, sometimes it's a control issue again. Not not usually, right. but if it, if somebody does it repeatedly, 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 just know you don't always have. Just ask Jesus again. <laughs> go with that. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's move absolutely. <laughs> Hen parties, uh, and boy, this is so common with women. It's common, but it can be difficult to to deal with. What and, did you say for those? Be? For those few who don't know what a hen party is, that's just the <laughs> women are just chatting up and talking either in little groups here and there. I mean, it just goes crazy. Everybody's trying to catch up. Sometimes I just use, use humor and, and just, I mean, I've even used the kindergarten clap before, you know, where, where the teacher claps in a rhythm and, and they're expecting the, the, the class to respond and, and copy that. I've done that before. <laughs> I've just gone, ladies, 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 I've, I've, I've totally lost control of you. <laughs> so, and normally they just laugh and I get their attention and it's not a big deal. And, you know, sometimes I think we're afraid to just be direct, like, ah, ladies, we're so short on time. Let's, let's get back to the exciting stuff we have to talk about this week. Um, so we just, sometimes we just have to be direct and, and grab their attention right back. <laughs> A hen party. That's now, a new if we're the one instigating like it, it that's, <laughs> if we're the instigator, it's a totally different situation. <laughs> but you still can. You still can pull it back together. You can say, "Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I did that again." <laughs> You're right. You're okay. Right. What's, what's the fourth one? What's the fourth one? <laughs> Rabbit chasing. And mm. so, what I mean by that is, and. You know, women, we're we're web thinkers, right? One one mm-hmm. thing we're talking about will lead us to think about something else and then to something else and then to something else. And before you know it, we are so far off the topic that we've got to find a, get a map to find our way back. Um, so, again, it, it really depends on the given situation because there have been times where um, that rabbit was so worth chasing, <laughs> That yeah, it was obvious. Right. It was obvious mm-hmm. that the Holy Spirit had guided that discussion, and mm-hmm. it was it was meeting somebody's need, and we needed to continue to talk about it. And I mean, that hadn't happened a lot over my thirty years, but there has been a time or two where the rest of the class just went out the window because, and yeah. and, and I felt it was God directed. So we have to be willing to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. And if that means we throw out our agenda for the re- our agenda for the rest of the class, that's what we need to do. Um, more often than not, you know, it's our own, it's a rabbit of our own making, right? So um, we can, sometimes we let that rabbit run just for a couple of minutes and then, and then we, and then we pull it back. There have been times where I've said, and it, and this is true, man, this conversation is so interesting, but maybe if you can say after class, we can pick it back up again then. And, mm-hmm. and so I've done things like that. It, it, again, it depends on the typical situation, but um, we, can, we, we always need to have a plan, but we also need to be flexible and not squelch what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Love that. Love that. Okay, and the fifth one. Silence. And we, we have talked about this already, whether you ask a question, and I know you've experienced this, you ask a question and, 
you know, like the discussion, hog is homesick that day or something. I don't know. (laughs) And everybody just looks at you like, I don't even know what you just said. (laughs) Um, Sometimes I have found that, and if I think about the question I just asked, I'll realize, you know what, that did not really make sense. And sometimes you can just tell by the looks on their faces, like they're looking at you like, I just have no clue as to what you just asked. And so you may need to just rephrase the question in a way that's more understandable. But chances are, if you give them a few seconds, and it's funny, um, 10 seconds feels like a really long time. (laughs) But to let a question hang for 10 seconds you might be surprised at who answers and the answer they give. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of our pastors really um, worked with us on that, and he just said, you know, you always want to fill the space. It's uncomfortable, and so you want to fill the space. But if you will just be quiet and just let mm-hmm. it rest, um, just like what you said, sometimes that's when the most amazing things come out of people's mm-hmm. mouths. It's so important. Kathy, we have just a few minutes left, and we have five M's of leadership that I want us to get through here. So why don't you just launch right into the first one of those? I will. So we talked about one of the characteristics of being an effective small group leader is being a reproducer. And these five M's really are stepping through how to do that. And the first M is model, that we would demonstrate strong leadership and what it looks like to be an effective leader for our group. The the second M would be mentor. Watch our group for potential leaders, people that we feel God pointing out to us saying they would be a great leader. And and then prayerfully talk to that person or, or people and bring them on as an assistant and begin to teach them and guide them as to what it looks like to lead Bible study. Then the third would be to monitor them. In other words, flip-flop those roles and and let them lead a group with you assisting them. And as they lead, then you can give them input and guidance and correction and that sort of thing. And then the fourth M is motivate, that you then step back and free them to lead a group on their own and you encourage them from the sidelines. And then the fifth M would be multiply. In other words, we would encourage that new leader to go and do the same to multiply herself. Well, I have just pages of notes here. <laughs> so good. <laughs> um, you know, I think I think one of the things I expected you to do is with the personalities to go through the different, you know, the different, um, you know, personalities that we're all all used to hearing about. I love right. that you made this into uh, the personalities that most affect a Bible study group or small group and how the, it is just so true that the the monopolizers, the emotional needy, the challengers, even the introverts can can really stop the energy of a leader if she isn't confident that she knows what to do. This is how where God has her. I love the mm-hmm. five M's here because it's such a beautiful pattern of moving people through. You know, when, when I first came to the church that we've been at now for 30 years, um, they had a system like this. And so it, they would never just take somebody who's never led a study and just say, here, you, you just do it. There was a system mm-hmm. of this training, this reproduction, where there's such a nice safety net 
that even someone who's who's pretty shy, someone who really is pretty sure they don't have what it takes, they really can get their legs under them before they have to stand and walk and run on their own. Um, right. Do you have a story of somebody? Do you have a story of somebody that you watched uh, go through this process? Um, yes, I'm sure that I do. The, the thing that's coming to my mind right now, <laughs> though, is is a is a is a young woman at my church that I really am sort of doing this with right now, and and we mm. are um, we are she is she is assisting me in leading. Um, my newest Bible study at, at my home church. And so I'd ask her to lead, lead Bible study. I, I you know, I, I've been watching, watching her and she has such a love for God's word and she has such a love for mm-hmm. women. And I just, you know, the Holy spirit had just said she would be a great Bible study leader. And so I asked her if she would lead and, Oh, Oh, she was a little bit nervous about it, and I said, "But I'm, you know, we're going to all be there together, and I am going to uh, be in that group, and I will be with you to assist." And um, so, I it was just a few weeks ago, I was I was in her small group and and got to watch her lead, and then, and it's mm-hmm. funny because I was I was watching for a time to. Um, connect with her and say, can we talk about, you know, class the other day? And I mean, it was that afternoon and she emailed me and said, I'd love to get your feedback on how class went today. Uh, right. Right. <laughs> so oh, so, so beautiful. Then we met yeah. the next week and, and talked about a few things. I mean, she's doing a great job, but of course she's young and she's learning and, and there were some things I could share with her. And I just, it is, it is so fun. It is so, um, just rewarding. exciting to see God, <laughs> yeah, yeah. to sure. see God bring up, and I don't, am I old enough to be her mother? Yes, I probably am. I was going to, so I was going to say the next generation, <laughs> to bring up the, the next right. generation right. of those right. leaders, and um, when I, when I first, uh, in the role I am in my church right now, I am over women's Bible study, so you know, selecting the studies and and inviting the leaders and bringing them up. And I had noticed early on we had a lot of experienced Bible study leaders, and I was one of the very youngest ones. And and I had thought, Lord, this, mm-hmm. you know, we're we're going to die ourselves out of leadership. Bring <laughs> <laughs> up some younger women, and so I have been purposefully working to get some younger leadership in there for that very mm-hmm. reason. We Beautiful. need those younger leaders. Yeah. Kathy, we have about a minute left. If people go over to your website, which is Kathy with a K, KathyHoward.org, what are they going to find over there? Well, in addition to me blogging regularly, I have tons of free stuff, free resources, some free online Bible studies. And if particularly if you would click on my free resources page, you're going to see stuff like uh, Bible reading plans and scripture memory tips and uh, prayer helps, and that's where you'll also find those uh, the, the discipleship evaluation that we talked about earlier in, in a spiritual goals worksheet and um, just all kinds of stuff to help you follow Christ and be <laughs> train ourselves for godliness. And then also there's some links to some of this material that we talked about today, like the seven characteristics of effective Bible study leaders. There's a whole section on women's ministry resources at the bottom of that page. Awesome. Kathy, thank you so much for being here. This hour flew by. I had so much fun. Thank you. 
Thank you, Marnie. And thank you guys for being here. Can't have a show without listeners. Thanks for all of you who host the show on your websites and for those of you who tune in every week, whether here live or else around the web on uh, the syndicated stations. I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.